like all of our podcasts where we start by saying this will be a nice short one maybe 10 to 20 minutes it went for uh 76 so we're gonna start with a little tldr on uh, nadalia the bride of ash a surprisingly complex figure for someone who's actually barely on screen so nadalia bride of ash what is the meaning behind her name born on christmas it's portuguese thank you sophie she's the bride of ash i thought we were doing it for real She's not married to the Ash, like, she is a bride who is Ash. Yeah. But she's also kind of not a bride, because she never actually met the guy she wanted to marry. He became Icarus Earth. He became Icarus Earth. (laughs) Where did she come from? From Manus. She came from Manus and she wandered for a long time before she found uh, Broom Tower. Which wasn't called Broom Tower then. It was called Ven. And what was she seeking? A king. Did she find him? No. So sad. Because when she got there, he was already gone. Yes. She did a little dance. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I've got some great news. Sophie, Sin, and Aether did such a good job summarizing the topic in the pre-intro that there's no need for the rest of the podcast. It's completely redundant, and you don't have to listen to it at all. But if you enjoy redundancy and material that has absolutely no educational value whatsoever, visit patreon.com slash for everything they're too ashamed to put on the main channel. We now begin the second episode of Queens of Dark Souls, somewhat confusingly called Queens of Dark Souls, Episode 1. Enjoy. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sin. Hi, Acer. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Snack Covenant, Episode 266. This is the first episode in our series called Queens of Dark Souls 2. And today we're talking about Nadalia. Bride of Ash. Acer. Some people know us exclusively for our empty Geist content. For the benefit of those. For the benefit of Kyan. <laughs> for the benefit of Kyan. You actually recorded a podcast with Kyan on here about JoJo. Yeah. Yes. So it's not for the benefit of Kyan, so Kyan knows who you are. <laughs> I'm joking about MT Geist. For the benefit of Vadi, who you guys uh, had in one of your videos. Yeah. That was really him, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. For the benefit of our listeners, who is Vadi? <laughs> Hi. Vardy here. Just making a note for the benefit of people who might not know me, um, I'm a lore hunter, most notably known for my work on Katekyo Hitman Reborn. Back to the podcast. So Acer. Hmm. For anyone who's new to our podcast, could you please tell them who you are and what you do? I'm Acer Aesthetics on YouTube. You can watch some videos where I detail the makeup of some old FromSoft games. 
some other games too. The old FromSoft stuff was supposed to be temporary, but that's who I am now, I guess. <laughs> Mood. Mood. <laughs> I've been invited back to talk about the Queens of Dark Souls 2 after our award-winning prelude to this series on Manus. <laughs> I think that was a good episode, I will say. That was a great episode, and I think we can knock this out pretty quickly. What do you guys say? I, I think I've heard that before. <laughs> I noticed the lack of enthusiasm. <laughs> Thank you, Acer. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sam. Now, let's turn to our angelic outline. Nadalia, Bride of Ash. Where does she come from? Manus. There's kind of two components to that. Because there's where did she come from ontologically, which is she came from Manus. But then there's like, part of her backstory specifically is she came to Broom Tower and she came from somewhere else. Okay, so the way I envisioned it is she shot out straight from Manus into the tower, <laughs> but you're saying there's another possibility. <laughs> Um, it makes a big deal out of, like, she was looking for a king. And she wandered and she heard of the Iron King. And she heard he was extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. And she went to Broom Tower to find him, but when she got there, he was already gone. Oh, no. Yeah. So where do you think she came from in terms of, like, after Manus, when she was wandering the lands? What lands was she wandering at? Okay, so... It was before Raim and Velstat fell out. Okay, right. Because the whole point is Raim goes there and he finds her. So she has to have already been there. So it has to be after Raim and Velstat fell out. I mean, that's that's after Vendrick came to power. We know that. And Vendrick came to power, like, with Nishandra by his side. So if you're making this a lot more complicated than it needs to be... No, Yui Tanamura made this more complicated than it needs to be. I am just <laughs> trying to outline it for you. Okay. So, Raymond Velstat are Vendrick's left and right hands, right? They have a falling out. Raym goes to Broom Tower. Nadalia's already there. So, everything that goes on with Nadalia has to have happened before the whole Vendrick thing, we can assume. It's like a prior age. And it also has to have happened after the old Iron King left. So presumably Old Iron King is a very, very Old Iron King. Because that means he predate, like, Vendrick. Like, significantly. So, if she's been a fragment of Manus since Dark Souls, she's probably done quite a lot of wandering. Because they keep making a big deal about, oh, all these places have risen and fallen. So she probably went everywhere as a little, little blob, and then she turned into a lady who turned into Ash sense. Thank you, Sophie. Acer, do you have any ideas? I know she came from Manus, and she was searching for a king. Found the old Iron King, and she was like, hey, I'll hang out here. This is a good place. Makes sense. That's the same old Iron King we fight in Dark Souls 2, right? Yeah, this is the thing. She goes there because she hears about the old Iron King. She never actually meets him, so... His, like, legend must have spread very, very far for her to be like, oh, that's where I have to go. And by the time she got there, he was gone. 
that gives you a sense of like there's quite a lot of time and quite a lot of distance involved in this and it has to have been like yeah when the iron king was at the peak of his powers why did he become a horned demon guy it's a very good question um you remember the smelter demon yeah that might have killed him but the whole point is like he's he's sort of consumed by the lava but his like consciousness survives and goes inside all like the the glowy like gooey lava stuff, and that solidifies into the Balrog thing. Oh. It gets a little confusing because they also say that the old Iron King was trying to make a dragon out of lava, and that goes nowhere. There's no dragon in Broom Tower, and I was thinking, are they trying to get at like the Balrog thing is the dragon? Did like. Are they suggesting that like he, his soul possessed that um that weird like hunk of iron that was because it, it looks a bit like a dragon it breathes fire it's got it's got wings also Gwyn's involved because why not <laughs> Thank you Sophie thank you Acer Now let's move on to the next point in the outline What is the meaning behind her name Nadalia Bride of Ash well, I looked this up for you. Uh, Nadalia is a Portuguese name, meaning born on Christmas. Wait, so when we killed Manus, it was Christmas? <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god. It's like the Dark Souls Christmas special. <laughs> this was the first Christmas in Lortran. Oh my god. Manus stole Christmas from Ulatil. <laughs> He's the Grinch. <laughs> Remember 15 minutes ago we said this would be quick. <laughs> what if the daughters of Manus are like the ghosts of Christmas past? <gasps> yes. And each one of them has a characteristic as well, right? Yeah, but there's four of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, maybe there were four ghosts of Christmas past, but yeah. uh, Scrooge only met three of them because he changed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Exactly, and Nadali is the one he didn't meet. She she didn't meet him. She came and he was gone. Mm. Oh, my, oh god. my god. Because there's Ghosts of Christmas past, present, future, and parallel timeline. I thought I thought you were going to say Ghost of Christmas past, present, future, and Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Nadalia, Ghost of Christmas Ash. <laughs> Do you guys remember... Do you remember um, in Manus's cave, there's a bunch of like glimmering little rocks? Yeah. Those are Christmas decorations. Oh. <laughs> we asked this in the last episode. There's that move Manus has where he like swipes a giant bag full of presents at you. Those are the presents he stole. <laughs> thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> See you next Christmas. No one's listening. <laughs> I think the name probably came because they were like, uh, we need a girl name that ends with a Natalia. Ah, sure. Yeah, like if you look at the way it's written in, in um, uh, Japanese, it's like Nadra. 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 But you can see like Nadra is how you would kind of write the name Natalia. It's like na- Nadra, Nadala. Not, okay, it kind of makes sense. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it's weird because, like, Nishandra is not a real name. I mean, I'm sure someone's kid is called Nishandra. Their, like, parents were really into Dark Souls too. That poor kid. Elana's a name. It's a common name. Elsana 
isn't, but like I think Alsana might be an attempt to use like it's like an Indian sounding name, like Al- Arjuna or something. Aksana is a Russian name. Yeah, yeah. So you can see they're like based on kind of exists. So I think N- Nadra is like it's either supposed to be Nadalia or it's like it's supposed to sound like Nadalia. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. The next point on the outline is where do we meet her for the first time? You really picked the worst possible <laughs> No, it's on the top of the tower, isn't it? Well, if you want the full answer, it's as soon as you enter Broom Tower and breathe, bits of Natalia went into you. Oh. Because she is the smoke around Broom Tower. That's heavy. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, and like all the enemies in the in that area, like the possessed things and the sorcerers and everything, it specifically says that like they become kind of enslaved to the fog that is left by Nadalia. So in a sense, like the whole area is Nadalia. She's like the cube. Hi, Sophie here. Sin just described Nadalia as like the cube and wants me to explain a little bit further. Well, for those of you not in the know, Cube is a horror movie about some people who awaken inside of a giant cube-like structure called The Cube. The world of Cube was further fleshed out in Cube 2, Hypercube, and the prequel, Cube Zero. A Japanese remake, Cube, is coming out on October 22nd, 2021. So now you know why Sin compared Nadalia, Bride of Ash, to the Cube. Back to the podcast. She's like Manus, again. It's just like she's like dividing and like possessing the things yeah. around her. And her soul is divided into 12 pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Manus. Yeah. They're all in idols that I don't appear to actually look <gasps> oh, like her. Oh. What? What I said? What? What? Oh no. Doesn't the song go on the twelfth day of Christmas? <gasps> <gasps> oh my god. On the twelfth day of Christmas, Nadalia gets to me. I won't interrupt again, sorry. <laughs> this is what people tune in for. <laughs> Uh, but yes, he's sort of a. Uh, so she is the fog, or she is controlling the fog, or she she becomes like the smoke, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, her name in Japanese is actually it's not the bride of ash; it's the bride of soot, like the left behind sort of remnant. And I think they go with that because soot is dark, mm. and Nadalia is dark. Ash makes a bit more sense when you see the area, though, because there's just ash everywhere, and like the idols are made of ash and. They don't really look like soot. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is a good time to bring in some item descriptions. Okay. So here we have the description of soul of Nadalia, but the description from an idol. Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. a fragment of the soul. Yeah. So could somebody please read it? Acer, read it in your best Acer voice. All right. Soul of Nadalia. Bright of Ash, who renounced their flesh and wandered Broom Tower, 
When Nadalia came to this land, the king she sought was no longer there. Dispirited, she forsook her own soul and clung to the heirlooms of the old king. This is only a fragment of a soul and cannot be used in this state. That's interesting uh, in lore. Like, how, how fragmented is she that you can't use the soul still? Because they're very mutable souls, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a gameplay thing, Collect. Oh, is it? <laughs> we were having a discussion about the nature of the soul sin. <laughs> I also think it's a... Like, all the queens, their gimmick is they're searching for kings. This yeah. might be my favorite uh, queen gimmick, where the king is gone, and now she just, yeah. she just... She becomes like this sort of... Just this wraith that just clings to the memory of the king. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good visual. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. And we also have the description of her soul. Mm. So could you please read that out loud? Soul of Nadalia, Bride of Ash, who renounced her flesh and wanted Broom Tower. You read it in Sinclair's voice? In the act of dancing, the Bride of Ash was transfigured as smoke, arising <laughs> people to her residence. And so was the scene of power to be known as Broom Tower. The wondrous soul of this augur of solitude could be used to acquire numerous souls or to create something of great worth. My Sinclair, my Sinclair voice isn't as uh, hostile as yours. I think it speaks to. I have a very different relationship with her. <laughs> my, mine is like soul of Natalia, right of Ash, who renounced her flesh and wandered the broom tower, comrade. Bullies all over the shop. In the act of dancing, what do they mean by that? Well, that's a very good question, Acer. If you scroll down in the outline, I found a couple of item descriptions that talk about dance. I'm just going to tell you right now, Sin, I don't think these are connected necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first four are a misdirection. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miyazaki. <laughs> and it's actually the last one that I think has a connection. <laughs> But the first four are interesting, too, because I didn't realize that dance was an item descriptions, like the Gravelord sword dance, the dark dance, and the Chandler's trident. That's a dance. So you think Natalia was doing that dance? <laughs> <laughs> All around Broom Tower and just pieces of her are falling off. What a tragic augur of solitude. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. <laughs> so the description we're actually interested in is Dance of Fire. Could you please read it out and tell us what it says? Dance of Fire, pyromancy created by the Magus Aegil, loyal follower of the Old Iron King. Cast flame in a sweeping motion across a targeted area. The fire seems to dance and make its victims dance with it. Mm. Mm hmm. So, you know, dance, dance of fire, yeah, she yeah, burned. Aegil yeah. is important to the base game as well. Can you tell us about him? You know that the big, like, bull thing in Iron Keep, just before you fight Iron King, he made that, apparently. That's called Aegil's Idol. You, you mean that, uh, that thing that spews fire at you? 
No, no, no. When like just before Iron King, you have to go up, and there's like it's like a like a big angry bull. I don't remember. You don't remember the giant bull? It's like the size of a building. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. Elves, Angel, Idle, Dark Souls Two. Huh? Did they patch that into the game at some point? No, no. You sure? Yeah. I've never seen it. I mean, if you fought Iron King without ever turning around. Oh, okay. Yeah, then then that explains it. Also, I'm yeah. prob- my camera is always angled straight down because I'm just looking for items in all the corners. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. Thank, Thank you, you, Sin. So in terms of meeting Nadalia, we meet her in the form of fog. We meet her idols. But we also meet her indirectly during the boss fight. All right, so we fight Fume Knight. Um, We don't know this at the time. We get it from his item descriptions later on. But the Fume Knight is actually Rain, who is a character that you hear about in the base game. He was Ventric's right hand and Velstat was the left hand. So the idea is like, Velstat's the royal Aegis, so he's like the shield of Ventric, and Rain was like the sword of Ventric. And... They had a falling out, and Raim is the source of the shield that you find in the pit in Forest of Fallen Giants where the salamanders are. That's his shield. That's why it's called the Rebel's Great Shield, because he turns on he turns on Vendrick and Velsad and leaves. Is that also why he has two swords? Yeah, it, it actually says like he sort of changed who he was, because one of the items you find in the DLC, it's Raim's Ring, and it gives you more shield stability. So it would have synergized with his shield, but he no longer uses the shield. He uses the two swords because he's become a different person. Uh. Yeah. And um, basically he looks for another another lord to to serve. He finds his way to Broom Tower and he doesn't find a lord, but he finds Nadalia. So he's actually kind of similar to Nadalia, which may be why they're drawn to each other. And um, yeah, his power that he, he demonstrates in that fight is partially coming from Nadalia. And it'll say, like, when you defeat him, you get part of Nadalia's soul, you get his soul as well. And you also get, if you turn a soul into a weapon, it will tell you that, like, these weapons, they're infused with the dark from Nadalia. And it specifies that, like, Raim always had the capacity to, like, expel Nadalia from himself. Like, he could have forced her her essence out of him because he was strong enough, but he chose not to. And he chose to live alongside Nadalia. In a sense, like the, it's it's kind of a weird happy ending for them because Nadalia is alone; she doesn't have a lord, and Raym also doesn't have a lord, and they kind of find each other. The reason he's called Fume Knight is because he's like he's the knight of of the fumes of the flame. He's the knight of like the ash and the soot, rather than Raym. We should do another series, which is like the sad knights of Dark Souls Two. Actually, that's a good idea, because I can't think of any channels that really focus on the sad aspects, particularly knights who die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not really been touched on. Acer, I think Sophie just shaded you. Oh my god. Sophie, did you just shade me? I would never. I would never. <laughs> you should have a series called Sad Knights of Dark Souls. But make their stories happy. Yeah. No one talks about the happy parts of Dark Souls. Hi, Sophie here. 
One of the things that attracted me to Sin's channel back in 2017 was the way that she took a light-hearted and fun approach to the bleak, dark, and disease-ridden worlds of Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Because she was so nonchalant about what's considered an extremely difficult series, I assumed that Sin was on top of things, and only learned much later on that she'd only beaten it twice. In total, out of the five games that were out, she still hasn't beaten Fume Knight. All the footage you're seeing of someone fighting Fume Knight in this, in this episode, that's me. And the only character I had that was on Fume Knight was a low soul memory build that I used for co-op, so I had to fight Fume Knight on level 25. It took four hours, so I hope you really, really appreciate the footage we got of Nadalia, a character who doesn't move, so footage of her is essentially indistinguishable from a screenshot. Back to the podcast. So let's talk about the boss fight. How did you all find it? What did you all think of it? I hated Fume Knight so much. So I, I beat him after like 60 tries. Mm. I think <laughs> if I fought him now, muscle memory would make it a yeah. one and done deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fume Knight is like they actually collected data from people playing it. And Fume Knight is the boss with the highest fail rate in the entire series. It's something like 98% of people who start fighting Fume Knight end up losing. Oh my Jeez. God. Yeah. He, he's one of those bosses that really exemplifies from software's ability to cheat the animations because he'll like do a swipe yeah. and then nothing. And then like fire will appear like afterwards. And you're like, God damn it. Yeah. The other thing about Fume Knight is like, if you don't know how adaptability works, you're fucked. And um, Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls didn't have adaptability. So that's uh, the invincibility frames. So, so let's talk about this for a second. Um, every other Dark Souls game, including Demon Souls, your roll, the speed of your roll, and your iframes you get from that roll are governed by your equip burden. In Dark Souls 2, the speed of the roll is your equip burden, but the iframes is adaptability. The game doesn't really tell you that. Like, if you look at the menu, it'll say, like, increases survivability and kind of mention rolling. But um, it's mostly like it's increasing cast speed and stuff. So you might think like, I don't need this thing. What is this? I'm not going to waste my levels on adaptability. And then you try to roll under Fume Knight. And you have about one iframe <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't level adaptability. So that's what drove me around the fucking bend when I did it. Because I'm like, I'm rolling so fast and he's just hitting me. Is it just impossible to, to roll under this? And the answer is no. It's because my adaptability was like two. And um, interestingly, the, that that area gives you a ring that increases adaptability, and it, it also makes your roll, it gives you more iframes on top of that. And I kind oh. of wonder if, like, did they think that through? Were they like, did we putting this here because we know this boss, you're going to have to do a lot of rolling, and maybe you're not spec'd for it? Mm-hmm. Other interesting thing about that ring is that it says it was given to the soldiers of the Old Iron King. And um, when you roll, it makes you turn into a cloud. Of like, of almost like ash or smoke, hmm? which sort of ties it in with that area. Yeah, because it's like you're literally becoming smoke when you roll. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It's also called the simpleton's ring, which I find insulting. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be quite a simpleton to not get adaptability. I oh, have very shade. few souls to to work with. No I got to beat that game it, on something. level level twenty. 
no excuses. You think you can get extra adaptability from, like, Kale's helmet or something? I'm not killing Kale. I know how to get extra adaptability. <gasps> how? Get good. Oh. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. One thing we forgot to mention, when you're gathering the idols of Nadalia, you need a special tool to be able to get those soul fragments. You do. And the tool is called Smelter Wedge. Mm -hmm. And the description says, an iron wedge forged in this land destroys the Ashen Idol. The Ashen Idol is of great consequence to Nadalia, who, having renounced her flesh, entrusts her very being to it. So it's interesting how we can't do it with a sword, can't do it with spells, gotta have the stick. Yeah. And what's the stick made of? What's it made of? Iron. So what you're saying is that if she was Magneto, you wouldn't be able to kill her. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, her husband. Her husband is Magneto? Yes. Well, I mean, in a sense, in a sense, because it says the old Iron King had the power to manipulate iron. You don't know. He's not her husband. When she showed up, he wasn't there. She's got his crown and she's, like, clinging to it. So it's like... I think, okay, you know what? That sounds a little stalkerish to me. That sounds yeah. a little, yeah. 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 It's a little uh, grave robbery. Single white female-y. Hi, Sophie here. Asa didn't get our little reference to single white female, probably because it was released four years before he was born, although frankly that's no excuse. Single White Female is a thriller about a stalker who adopts another woman's identity. Thirteen years after its release, it would serve as the inspiration for Imposter Yusefka. Back to the podcast. So what I was getting at is, like, she she's drawn to the Iron King, and it's like the thing that actually destroys her is iron. Yeah, so yeah. it's like the thing she lusted after, like the thing she wanted. Destroyed her. It destroys her, but it also sort of it frees her. Like she's being freed by the iron that she sort of sought to begin with. So what it's showing us is that it would have never worked out between them. No. Hmm. The thing is, the old Iron King is still around. He's just a Balrog. Yeah. <laughs> Can just She could just go to... Go to Iron Keep. He's there. Hmm. You know what else? I'm just going to say it. Old Iron King is shit. Whoa! <laughs> when I am doing my obnoxious, like, I'm going to stay below 40,000 soul memory runs. When I get to Iron King, I breathe a sigh of relief because he is absolutely just the biggest pushover. I have more trouble with Prowling Magus and Congregation, because at least they can one-shot you at low levels. Like, he's just, he's a slow, boring thing. He telegraphs all of his attacks, you just have to wait for him to go, and then poke him in the hand while he's standing there. He's nothing. Like, uh, that's not wrong, but I like that boss, because that's a very different boss from most yeah. bosses in that game, which are just, yeah. like, human guy with big sword. He reminds me of, like, a Zelda boss. Because he's got that yeah. very, like, telegraphed attack, and then the way that you... He does the thing... Actually, I hate this in all boss fights. probably why I'm bitter about it. But, like, 
He's a boss where the way that you hurt him is you wait for him to do a specific move that exposes his weak point, which is a very, like, that's like a Zelda thing to do, where it's like, you hit me in my hand, I'm going to punch you, and then if you move out of the way, my hand stays there, and you can go, hit me in the hand. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, so I also, it's also why I hate the dragon fights mostly because it's like, you're just waiting for the dragon to land. Yeah. So it's like, it's the thing that's setting, like, it's sort of dictating the fight to you. I, I like the gimmick fights, uh, more like, I like dragon God and I think old iron King is sort of like, he's like a hybrid. He's almost a gimmick fight. Yeah. But he's not like a real execution challenge. Yeah, yeah. He's a gimmick. I just don't think the gimmick is very interesting because it's literally just hide behind a corner until he hits the ground and then run over and poke him. I'm actually, I'm really glad they they added Manhunter O'Hara in Scholar because she can just snipe him. (laughs) Yeah, so you can just summon O'Hara and wait behind the corner and he's probably just going to die. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) On the other hand, smoking Smelter Demon, much harder. Optional. Every boss in Dark Souls 2 is Smelter Demon. Like, three <laughs> of them literally are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you have, like, uh, the Exile. That's a very similar yeah. fight. Yeah. Just a guy with a big sword. Fume Knight, guy with a big sword. Two big swords. Two big swords. Well, one bigger than the other. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Acer. So there's also the matter of her dialogue. Her dialogue, which we hear um, spoken by her at sort of different points. It's not subtitled, but like what she's saying is, um, let me surround you. Please don't go. I've waited so long for you. It was unbearable. It's one of the lines she says. So again, you get the sense from that, that this sense of like solitude and loneliness and the way she's talking about, like, I want to surround you, it sort of, it recontextualizes what Broom Tower really is, because she is the fog in the tower. She is all the fragments. So what she's actually doing is she's trying to bring everything in Broom Tower together. Like, she is so alone, she wants to take everything in Broom Tower in and become part of it and become joined with it. And if you read the, the item descriptions, they always mention, like, there's a bunch of just junk in Broom Tower that is not anything to do with the Iron King. It's all these people that have come there and left the stuff behind because all these people are drawn to Broom Tower. And when they're drawn there, that fog consumes them. And that is, we know from when she talks, what she's doing is she is trying to take everyone into herself because she is so alone. She just wants everyone to be around her. And that's, that's the aspect of Manus. That's the solitude. Thank you. Even the um, the design of the idols with the four arms. Um, if you look at them, like it's almost like the arms are they're holding themselves. Like she will not let it go. She's desperate for some sort of like contact and connection. Thank you, Sophie. Her dialogue goes through various phases. First, she welcomes us because she probably thinks that we're the king, and we finally returned. Then, once she realizes something's wrong, she says, well, too bad for you, because I have a champion. And then, I guess, once things go really badly, she tells us that, bad for you, my sisters will come here and kick your butt. But that doesn't happen. No, they don't come. 
I feel like everybody lets her down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, can I ask you, do you guys know if they were, uh, they did, were they always conceptualized as like the daughters of Manus or was that? The problem with Dark Souls 2 and the word always is it was revised so many times it's really hard to tell. Mm. But like, I know that people have dug up from like a pre-DLC version, there are references to those three characters, like Alana, Nadalia, and Alsana, and they have the same title, like Squalid Queen, um, Bride of Ash, whatever. Hmm. So I don't know if, if that... I don't know if that was, like, they were intent thinking about the base game and dropped it. But it's also, like, they probably knew they were getting DLCs. Yeah. So I think, like, that's probably... They probably didn't know about it, and maybe bringing in Nishandra to make her like the daughter of Manus was a way to thematically link them. Because I know that from the Design Works interview, they talk about how like the Nishandra character that you fight, she was in initially like a just like a rando boss, like not Nishandra that we know, Nishandra who's like Queen of Dragonlance and everything, but the like the skeleton lady with the scythe. She was like just some other boss in the game, and they kind of made her the final boss after they had gone through all the different like. Uh, iterations on it so but I, we also know like nishandra herself the character seems to have existed prior to that like she's referenced in the old dialogue another interesting thing that we've talked about before is dusk has a dialogue where she talks about manas and his yeah. state of mind so if you do want to bring that up okay so when you talk to dusk in dark souls one she talks about, like, when she was held captive by Manus, she could sense his feelings. And she lists what his feelings are. And um, it's not like a bullet point list. It's basically just describing, like, I felt him. He was, like, searching for something and he wanted it. And he was very, like, it was like a sadness and sort of a longing about him. And um, they sort of pick that up and run with it with Nishandra, where she's like, yeah, when Manus' soul split, like every little fragment is one of his emotions. Or one of emotions probably the wrong word. Because I mean the Chandra's not really an emotion so much as like, like a an desire. Aspect. An aspect, yeah. So Nishandra is like she I think she even specifies she was the weakest. She was the smallest. And yeah. she was Manus's um desire, like his want, like his need for things. His longing. His longing, yeah. So that's why she covets the throne. That's why she coveted like the most powerful of the Kings because, you know, she was born out of a desire to like cling to want things. Also specifically because she was the smallest. Yeah. Yeah. She was the most vulnerable because she was smallest. And like, I think the name Drung Lake is kind of interesting with that in mind because Drung means like desire in, I think it's in German. There's a whole, branch of philosophy called called Sturm und Drang, and the Drang there is referencing like longing and desire and want. If Nadalia was here, you know what she'd say? She'd be like, Nishandra, Nishandra, Nishandra! Hey, how you doing? It's uh, Hidetake Miyazaki here. So, uh, these assholes uh, lost track at the point again, and I gotta fill in for them, uh, answering a question. And today's question is, what does Nadalia look like? I don't know, some kind of horrible mummy. I don't even remember which one Nadalia is, I just remember, uh, 
Yui had this idea for a trilogy of DLCs that were going to be called Gaslight, Gatekeep, and Girl Boss. And that eventually became a Three Daughters of Manus, each one representing a different aspect of him. And uh, Nadalia, the way that uh, she starts with this fire inside her and then it just gradually goes out and leaves her as an empty husk and she fades away, leaving nothing of value behind, is presumably the aspect of Manus that worked for Bandai Namco. She might have had four arms, I don't know. She'll be on screen. Back to whatever this is. When we defeat the Fume Knight, we go visit a room located in the arena. Hmm. What's in the room? What's in the room? Well, there's a throne in the room. Could it be a throne room? Could it be a throne room? It's more of a throne closet is the thing. <laughs> it's more of a throne cubicle than a throne room. <laughs> there is a throne in it. Mm-hmm. And upon that throne, well, sin, we actually, it never says. So we can't be certain, but... <laughs> now, I think... <laughs> It's it's probably supposed to be Nadalia, the Bride of Ash. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's what Miyazaki wants us to think. And in reality, it's, it's, it's fucking Nadalia. <laughs> we also find a crown on the floor. Mm, whose crown? <laughs> <laughs> crown of the Old Iron King, but which one? Yeah. Because remember, the Old Iron King was at war with uh, Alkin and Ven to get their iron. So who can say if there's more than one Old Iron King? That crown would never fit on the Balrog, so it can't no, be the same guy. Exactly. Why didn't the Old Iron King have his crown with him in Iron Cape? Because he'd look silly. Because <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> I imagine he didn't have the crown, and that's maybe why he uh, transformed because the crowns when you have all three crowns you reverse hollowing yeah so maybe the crown had some magical properties which kept his uh ambition or something from yeah. transforming him into a monster or whatever well no but he, he didn't he transformed into a monster because he like literally fell in lava and then oh no he fell in the lava and then his soul sunk down and at some point he met Gwyn's soul it's like hey and then they mixed together and huh. brought to life a heap of like Okay, this is a confusing thing because um what happens is that Shelqua the cat, she says specifically, she says like he threw himself into the fire and then she says and he bec- he's Icarus Earth now. The crown of the Iron King says like the king sunk below the scorching eye, met the one whose name must never be repeated, and became Icarus Earth. The thing is, it always capitalizes Icarus Earth as if that is someone's name. As if it is a person who is called Icarus Earth. No. Icarus is a word that means, like, it just means he became molten, he became molten Earth, he became molten rock. But for some, I have no concern, I guess because the word Icarus and Icarus, Icarus, the name, are similar? Someone thought, oh, Icarus Earth, that's his name. No, no. Um, He became Molten Rock. Isn't it he became Icorus Earth? 
Because ichor is uh, yeah. like that fluid yeah. liquid. Yeah, yeah. it's, well, it's the, that. It, ichor and ichor are just like. Yeah. I think that's what uh, Icarus is referring to. Yeah, that's exactly what it's referring to. Yeah. It's so strange. Anyway, the point is the old Iron King fell into some iron, possibly because Smelter Demon did it to him. It's a little vague. His soul sinks into the iron. Gwyn's soul is in the iron, I guess, as well. Um, it's like, hey. And then, <laughs> and then they mingle together and, and make a giant Balrog monster out of iron. This is why earlier when I was bringing up like the reference to a dragon, because there's a reference on the on the key you get that says, okay, the Iron King tried making a dragon out of iron. There's not a dragon made of iron, as far as I can tell, unless it's like one of the areas or something in Broom Tower. There is no dragon made of iron, and I'm wondering if the idea that they're getting at is like Old Iron King made a dragon out of iron, and that's what you're fighting. Like, he made this, like, winged, like, fire-breathing monster out of iron, and his soul just possessed it. Yeah, I, I also wonder if maybe that's another translation flub, and the ring is just supposed to say something like, he was a part of the construction of this. Yeah, yeah. Like, he made, as in, he is a part of it, or whatever. Yeah, there's because there's references, like, the Iron King, how he had, like, this ability to shape iron. Yeah. It is described in a way that sounds supernatural the way that Dark Souls 2 is written, it's deliberately written in this way that makes everything intentionally vague. Like it's always separate. So when it's like he had the ability to shape iron, we don't know if we're supposed to take that literally. The Scorching Iron Scepter is almost like this limitless, like perpetual motion machine. It's like a uranium rod or something that just powers everything. Um, So it becomes like, did he literally have like the ability to like touch iron and shape it with his hands? Or... Does that just refer to, like, the power that was granted to him was as if he could shape iron? Yeah, or, like, he just had the infrastructure and the capabilities yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the king's power allowed him... Here we go. Okay. This is the strength ring. The old iron king ruled over a great age of iron. The king's power allowed him to mold iron freely as if he held sway over the forces of life and creation. But, again, like, that, we don't know how literally to take that. Yeah. Yeah. If Nadalia could talk, do you know what she would say? Old Iron King, Old Iron King, Old Iron King! Sophie, do the outro! That was The Snack Covenant, episode 266, Queens of Dark Souls 2, part 1, because Manus was part 0, Nadalia the Bride of Ash. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sam. And Acer! Yeah! If people want to find you on social media, where should they look for you? Uh, Acer Aesthetics on YouTube and on Twitter. You can also play my game on its.io. That's right! It's called Snail! Exclamation mark. As of the recording right now, it has nothing but perfect reviews, making it the highest rated game on its.io. And I am going to ride that wave until somebody says, Nah, you know what? You're not that great. <laughs> you are that great, though. And do you have any other projects coming up that you'd like to tell us about? I'm currently working on a video on Shadow Tower Abyss, which I hope to uh, have up. Um, I was going to do it late August, but I lost like two weeks just to work. So it's probably going to bleed something into bleed uh, somewhat into September. But it should be out hopefully uh, not too long for now 
well. Thank you, Acer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sin and Sophie, for having me. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Say bye, Sophie. Bye, Sophie. Hello, everybody. Aether with a little late to this recording because, unlike Sophie and Finn, he's very popular. It was only after the podcast was recorded that it occurred to them that their own experience of waiting for Aether paralleled that of Nadalia waiting for the old Iron King. This is the best party I've ever been to. <laughs> it was supposed to be here half an hour ago. We're waiting for Acer, but something came up, so... He's cheating on us with another podcast. What's her name, Acer? What's her name? Fallout Sippy Cup. That's the one I talk about on streams. Oh, do you like Fallout? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it! We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.